You're listening to the Creatively Connected Classroom Podcast, episode number 28. Welcome to the Creatively Connected Podcast from Education Closet, connecting teachers and ideas one glue stick at a time. Here's your hosts and K-12 Art Chat founders, Matt and Laura Grundler. Hello, everybody. This is Matt and Laura Grundler, and welcome to another episode of the Creatively Connected Classroom. Um, We have a a great friend friend and guest uh, with us today by the name of Christine Miller. And uh, And really more than a friend. She's a part of our family. We'll get into that. We'll get into that for sure. So exciting to have her because it's, it's really special to us to have her on the show. So so welcome, Christine, and we'd love for you to kind of tell us your backstory and uh, just kind of let our listeners know a little bit more about you. Well, thank you, Matt and Laura. This is super special to me as well um, on many levels. Um, I am a lifetime fiber artist, and uh, I tell the story, which my husband laughs at, but it's true. When I was in third grade, I was out on the playground at recess knitting uh, with my back up against the school wall. And that started everything, you know, learned how to crochet and knit and sew and and learned how to weave and in college and spent many years as uh, a professional textile artist reinventing the path to see where the success would, would come in. When I was about 50, I went into art education as a teacher. Uh, It seemed to knit all of my love for art together in a seamless kind of way. That's how I met you two. Ended up in the same school district together. And I just recently retired last, the end of last school year. And now I'm really excited to be uh, supervising future art teachers of America through the University of North Texas. So it's been quite an interesting journey I've been on. Well, and, and so many, like you said, an interesting journey, but so many connections. You were integral in, in helping revamp the our school district's curriculum and it coincided with you finishing your master's degree in art education and that curricular path. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting how it all just kind of fell together in this beautiful way. So, I mean, beyond the fiber arts, you, you have a lot of expertise working with instructional pieces in education. And I think right now you're working with pre-service teachers, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So even though you've left the classroom, you have not left education by any means. <laughs> no, and I, I'm super happy to still be in art education. Uh, and especially at this time when we're trying to, across the country, bring in more 21st century skills and strategies so that our curriculum is more student-driven and more student-centered. And so uh, I find that the most exciting part of working with pre-service teachers to move them out of this idea that, oh, we're going to do this project, right? We're going to make a clay teapot, you know, (laughs) And, and really try to expand their vision into units of study and how those are going to break out 
into different learning activities so that you can really assess if they are learning the objectives that you wanted them to to grow into, right? So I think there's a lot of work to be done in our field and in, in every content area, right? Bringing yes. those, those creative ways, the creative classroom, mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, really ground into our students. I think well, taking ownership of their learning and yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that that is, um, that's really, you know, when we think about the creative classroom and Matt, you can chime in, but it's, it's more, it's really about that. It's about giving kids opportunities in all content areas to master the standards, but then take ownership in a variety of ways of their own learning, you know? And well, I think, you know, as, as art teachers, as any teacher, you, you hope to give them the skills. And then once they have the skills, then you give them that freedom to kind of go in their own direction with those skills. So it's not like they're just skipping past the skills, you know? Right. Right. And I think it, it, you know, for our youngest learners, I think they're probably firmly on the path, hopefully. I mean, that's what we're trying to establish Mm -hmm. because so many of our older learners are still used to that teacher-directed model. And I think that's where the challenge comes in is, is the hook to get them excited about something to investigate on their own and not rely on their instructor. Um, On the teacher telling them Uh this is what needs to happen next or that's what needs to happen next. Mm -hmm. So you have this really cool website called Explore Fiber. And Mm -hmm. what I like about it is that you show a lot of contemporary uses of fiber and not necessarily just in art form, but in everyday society. Can you tell us a little bit more about Explore Fiber and how that started? Yeah, so that that actually uh, came to my mind during my master's studies uh, at Texas Women's University. And before that, I had gone to a conference by the Surface Design Association back in 2011. They gave scholarships to 10 teachers across the United States to attend the conference with the goal to bring more fiber into art ed curriculum. And so that kind of bubbled around in my head. And then when I started the, in my master's program, it, I just thought, wow, I just need to make a website and we need to have inspiration for teachers and some curriculum, but really presenting fibers as a fine art material. And then in our state, Texas, in 2013, the Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills, our state standards were uh, reevaluated and adopted to include fibers in our program. And that was super, super exciting to me. So it's, you know, this is just my passion that people understand the importance of fibers. And it's hard because they're so ubiquitous. I mean, Laura, you and I were talking about that very first experience as, as a a human being, we are wrapped and swaddled in cloth. And that is a very deep sensory connection that we never 
leave. We we sleep in cloth. We sit on cloth. We wear um, cloth. We wear cloth. We <laughs> use cloth everywhere. to clean our homes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, you know, I mean, I had the privilege of riding in your new car yesterday, and I was looking at the cloth <laughs> on the, the, the seat because it was this really cool... It had a great texture to it. It was varied. And I thought, oh, that's such a neat pattern. It is really everywhere. And so sometimes maybe people do overlook it. They do. And and not just from our, our wives, but culturally, gosh, every culture on the globe mm-hmm. uses some sort of fiber technique, whether it's with grasses or twigs or yarn that they spin. Fiber processes are are global. And I, as you said, I like to focus on how those are really moving into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, I did a blog post once about a doctor who used a weaving technique idea to create a device that would go into a congenital heart. Some children have a hole in their heart and he can sort of insert this little woven thing and it expands open and seals up that hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's science applications, there are architectural applications, nanotechnology, fibers and nanotechnology are like hand and glove, right? So, yeah. so smart textiles and, you know, all the ways that we can manipulate and bring those things together are going to truly transform our lives in the 21st century. Yeah. But I think too, I mean, I'm sorry to dominate this conversation. I also have a love of fiber, but it's from, it's just different. You know, I had the privilege of my middle school art teacher, Mrs. Harjo, and she was um, Cherokee Indian. And she brought a lot of her Um, culture into our classroom and she taught me how to wet felt and she taught me how to do basket weaving and how to soak the reeds and all of these beautiful things and it's a nice what I love about fiber is that you can go into the 21st century but you can also go back into culture and have these experiences that are really life transforming I mean honestly for me some of those experiences with Mrs. Harjo and even um you know, she was, she was definitely more of a 3D teacher with us, but she, she also gave us a lot of choice. I remember being in the eighth grade and working with, um, we made this huge cactus to install at our local arts fair and we had to weave the metal together to make the sculpture. And just some of those things that I had learned the year before in basket weaving came into play in this sculpture. And just all of that experience over those two years with her really made me reflect on being an art teacher and why I wanted to be an art teacher. And, um, you know, I still to this day dabble in fiber. I, I like to dabble in everything, but you know, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a comfort. It's, it's kind of like a, when I'm having a hard time with something, I can go back to fiber and it's kind of comforting to me. Well, I'm glad you, you bring that up because I think for our, our children and, um, that this is really important. And I think teachers are, are who bring fibers into their programs are finding that they, first of all, they love it. Mm-hmm. Love, love boys and girls. It, it just doesn't even matter. It calms them. You know, our children are so stressed and 
wound up and they don't have the kind of time that even we had of quiet contemplative activity, right? So uh, it's, it's really important. And even to have those, I've had teachers tell me that to have that either before or after testing mm-hmm. really help the kids. I mean, you guys, you were telling me about Owen and his knitting that it really sort of grounds him. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of comfort, especially with children, you know, who, who have a learning challenge like Owen does, you know, having ADD, having ADHD. And, you know, the, the, like when he was crocheting, there was something calming, but it was continuous. It was like that rhythm mm-hmm. of just Okay, this is what I do. This is how it works. And it's just kind of that rhythm and it, that almost becomes comforting. And then there's a sense of confidence that almost is built from that because once you see the product that's being made from that, you know, I mean, he ended up making a whole entire scarf that was about six feet long. I think (laughs) his first one was, was smaller um, and he realized it didn't really fit well. And then you know, then he got into Harry Potter and he had to have, and then Harry it Potter had to be, you know, Harry Potter colors it had to be, you know, Gryffindor colors. And so it was just, you know, it was like six feet long yeah. and he was so proud of that. And I think that, you know, that's, that's also something too. And it, and it goes back to that whole thing that we talk about that grit and that determination to work through it. Yeah. So, well, and I think the, the proud piece is you have this functional, piece, functional of art. piece of art at the end, you know, like he's proud that, he can wear this thing that he made and tell his friends, I made this, you know, and, and he's confident in that, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, I think, I think that that's part of the proud piece of it is that he can take it with him and use it. Absolutely. And you know, this is sometimes the, the discussion of craft versus art is, I don't know. It, it just has so many different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. Uh, it does because you've got to, you got to, you have to legitimize it, I guess, in a way. And which is sad. And sometimes I think, well, I think for, but very, just, just getting back to that point of, of creation, mm-hmm, an yes. object that you can use and wear. And, and there is so much value in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lori, you and I were talking about my students. So when I was ending up my career at my school, I had a full-blown fiber studio in there. I had eight looms, and this is something I want your listeners to kind of know because some I've had people say, well, how do you how do you start? How do you get the stuff for that? And really every community has uh fiber organizations. Those women and men have more stuff. <laughs> They they could win that we have the most stuff award, right? And so they usually are very generous in donating yarns and fabrics. And I think one of the easy ways just to start down that path, if you don't have the budget to, to purchase material, is to contact those organizations and and ask, say, hey, I, I want to start something up. And what do you have that you could help help us out with? Well, and, and that's where social media also comes into play because, you know, I, I follow other um, states' organizations and Massachusetts Art Education Association two days ago posted that they had 80 looms <gasps> what? to send out to Massachusetts 
art educators. I swear it was 80. I just, Whoa. I was like, what? And they were all different kinds of looms, all different sizes. Uh-huh. And we're trying to find them a home that where they would be used. And so there are things out there. I mean, and like you said, there are weaving guilds, there are art guilds, there are fiber guilds, there, there, there are quilters. There are quilters. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are quilters. There are quilters. <laughs> and yeah. these, these are men and women that want to pass on this tradition. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just, I, there's so much out there. So you can find them on Facebook. You can find them wherever or just go. We have a local sewing store and you can walk into that store and find somebody, you know? I was also, when we were just talking about Owen, it made me think about, I don't know if you saw the post of the the little kid, I think he was like six or seven and that I've never seen anyone crochet so fast. <laughs> yeah. That, that little video has been cycling around Facebook recently and it's, it's beautiful. You know, he's, he's just like a little house of fire with his, his crochet. It's, it's, it's great. Hey there, it's Susan from Education Closet. Did you know that we have five online classes to help you meet your PD hour requirements? Each arts integration and STEAM course has been recently updated and is now worth 25 PD hours. And podcast listeners get a special discount. Just go to educationcloset.com forward slash courses, pick your course and enter the code podcast at checkout to get 15% off any course. Looking forward to seeing you in class soon. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Christine, you brought up earlier, you know, by the end of your classroom teaching, you know, you had a full-blown fiber art studio. What kind of impact did you see on your, on, on your students or on your campus, maybe? What kind of impact? Was there an impact? And what kind was that? that you know, Oh, gosh, it, it was beautiful. I had my friends around the state donate looms and yarns and equipment and money uh, to get smaller little looms. I had, I taught teachers on the campus. I had students that would come back after their first project and do another. And there was one student in particular, he hopped on the floor loom and wove I mean, God, he was a weaver. I was so excited. He just took to it like a duck to the water and he wove like four yards of, of fabric. And then I helped him design a jacket and he sewed it. We got the sewing machine out and he did all the sewing and, uh, later entered that into an art competition in one first place. Wow. You know? And so the pride that he had for that uh and the the heart singing on my side <laughs> was uh really really strong and and powerful so you know people are very fascinated with textiles and i think it's it's an easy entry unlike some you know i mean yeah you can hand build with clay but you still have to fire it and you know with textiles yarns i mean matt we were just you were just talking about teaching your kids how to uh do finger knitting right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they <laughs> and, and you know i mean i had to go onto youtube to see a little how to video and i still didn't quite totally have it down enough to to be able to really explain it to my kids. I mean, but I had a couple kids in the class that 
kind of, kind of new as well. And so we all kind of learned together. We all failed together that first day. And then the next day I had, you know, twice as many kids that were successful with it. And they were like, Oh, Hey, look, I did it. <laughs> well, and what, so you're finger knitting, but what are you going to turn that into? So we're, we're using how that, how that fiber can be used, you know, with yarn bombing. And so we're going to figure out, um, cause it's a small class, it's a 3d class. And so what we're going to do is figure out how to use that walk around the school with iPads and take pictures of different places around the school that they might be interested in yarn bombing and then, um, go through and kind of plan out their idea and use that stuff that we've already started finger knitting and see how to, how to use that. I think it'd so. be cool to get after it's, covered in yarn and the knitting mm -hmm. to get the other kids reactions to it oh yeah and and see what their questions were <laughs> and their you know what their level of inquiry was mm -hmm. you know if you walk by a a locker and you see it's all this yarn. yeah covered in yarn <laughs> what are your questions around that you know and well and there's some great uh fine art connections because christo back in the 60s yeah. was wrapping packages just out of burlap and twine mm -hmm. and it was interesting when i was at one of my other schools i um did a we use that. I had my kids get some sort of little box mm -hmm. and we wrapped it with some sort of textile and we used yarns and things to, uh, to tie it up. And then I did a whole table pile. Oh, and the other thing they had to do was put a, like a, a secret wish or some sort of personal statement in the box before they wrapped it up. Right. Mm -hmm. And man, that was, it was kind of crazy because there were <laughs> there was no unity to the the visual of this, right? Mm -hmm. Every box was different, but collectively it made and when you had that artist statement up there, it made a really strong, powerful statement. Well, and and you bring up Christelle, but what are some of the I mean, there's a lot of contemporary artists using fiber right now. Do you have any favorites? Um, well, Magdalena Abakanowitz, who is not with us any longer, but she was one of the most powerful influences coming out of a communist bloc country and not having access to the kind of materials that we're used to. And she made monumental sculpture with jute and burlap. And so that is, is really one of my great influences, I, some of my personal work right now is I weave with wire. So I've been weaving on a loom with wire for about 25 years. And so I've got some contemporary artists. I just had a five-day workshop with someone who would be a national treasure in our country if we had those roles, um, Mary Lee Hugh. And so I'm continuing to you know, push the edges of, of my, uh, current learning. And I've been weaving for 45 years. I'll never get to the end of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> never, never, never. Yeah. So that's exciting to me. Do you find we've kind of circled around this, but do you find that there's some gender bias in fiber arts or from oh, society? Maybe? Totally. Which is interesting because different cultures, in some cultures, like, and I may have this wrong, so, you know, don't 
just me here, but I think like the, the Navajos that were the women, but the Pueblo were the men who were the the weavers. Yeah. I'm not sure on the tribe exactly either, but I do know that there's a a group of Native Americans where the the men were, were the weavers. In Guatemala, the men weave the the yardage for their, for the, the cloth where the women weave the backstrap you know, we peels. Um, and even in Africa, the men, we have kente cloth. So that, you know what, that whole gender issue has been a struggle for textile artists in the United States for sure, but probably in other countries. Um, I don't know what to say. We could talk for hours about this, but, but I, I do want to segue that into the fact that in contemporary art uh, right now, there are lots and lots of young artists, men and women, that are bringing uh, textiles and fibers into their work. And I think with STEAM, this is where I see the really juicy, juicy place, is that there's just such a natural connection there. And I, I do want to just recognize to our listeners and that The University of North Texas uh, last summer made a decision to close their 82-year-old fiber program with great gnashing of the teeth and wailing and pleading and uh, very sad, sad young students. I met, I met the the collaborative. They they were actually out at one of our schools recently, and it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Their love for this art form, I, I'm going to, I would get teary-eyed. Well, <laughs> of like, course. It was, it was it, really hard to visit with them and talk to them and, you know, having this this taken away from them. And a lot of them were going to be art educators, but some of them were just planning on um, being fine artists. And this they would be the last group. And they, they were just heartbroken about not being able to share it forward. And, and I, you know, I've seen this, in my decades, I've seen program after program disappear. And I do understand some of the practicality of that. But here's what I, you know, when I went and talked to the department chair and, and assembled a spreadsheet <laughs> in, in advance of our meeting to, to show the depth and the breadth of fiber in our industry and in our economics and in science and in, I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. There are world museums that are dedicated to textiles, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and what's crazy because UNT is, is just become a tier one or it has been for a little while, but it just got, uh, you know, reaffirmed as a tier one research university. And that is my alum. That's where I had my art education uh, studies. But I just said, I said to the chair, I'm like, you guys are missing the boat here. (laughs) You don't see that this is one of the most important places in 21st century technology. I mean, and, and we're not even talking about art, but just Mm-hmm. The, the application so it is very frustrating but what are you going to do well i'm i'm a firm though i mean i i feel like every time i go into a classroom i you know having the, the privilege of my job of going into a variety of classrooms and helping direct curriculum and 
And also in the interview process, when I'm interviewing young candidates for art education positions, I'm seeing more and more fiber. Mm-hmm. I really am. I have a lot of new, new younger-ish teachers that are very into fiber. I have some that are doing, um, you know, different. I have one that's doing ice bath dye, and I have mm-hmm. one that's doing, you know, soft sculpture, and and these are things that they have a personal interest and passion in, and then they're bringing that into their classroom. Oh, I mean, I was last year. I was sitting in as a judge for the middle school competition and a student brought in their needle felting mm-hmm. sculpture. And oh. Yeah. It was <laughs> yeah. this little bear of, it was like a, I can't remember what it was, but it, uh, it was just so neat because it was all done with felt and I was just blown away by it. So. Well, and I see a lot of collaborations and community building and we have a kind of a, a common lesson in the district where second grade students create a two-dimensional image of either um, we have a lesson plan where they can create germs or they can create kindness creatures. And then the high school 3D class will create that in three-dimensional form. And quite often that is a soft sculpture uh, that the ninth and 10th graders are making. And then they bring them back to those second graders. So it's building this community aspect as well. And, uh, And seeing that these are not you know, they're not stuffed animals, that these are actually pieces of art that were collaborated on between second graders and high school kids. It's, it really does build community. And again, it goes all back to the textiles. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just appreciate, I want to give you a shout out for, as the visual arts coordinator of the district that I was in, that your support was very, very important. And, and I guess that this is, the rest of my lifelong mission as a textile artist and as, as a forever art educator that I want to continue really spreading the, just the knowledge and the information and, and the support through my website, explorefiber.com. And just the, you know, I'm doing visiting artists. What do, what do you want to call it? I'm going out to different schools and doing fiber-related projects with them and and teaching them about the future of fibers and it's because they're the ones that are going to really see it happen in their lifetime. So it's really thrilling to me to keep keep that going. Absolutely. So yeah. Okay. So as our as our conversation comes to an end. Um, We always ask for the people that we're talking to um, just kind of leave us with some words of wisdom for our listeners. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Fiber, just do it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Fiber, just do it. You know, whatever I, you know, I think it's just let, let your children just play and experiment. Right. I think Mm -hmm. that, one of the things that I think, okay, here's my word, you know, teachers don't teach what they don't know. Like if they don't know how to do something, they're much less likely to bring it into their classroom. And so if you have a connection to fiber, go visit a fiber group. There are tons of videos. You can teach yourself how to knit with your fingers Mm -hmm. and just play, Mm -hmm. just play and have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know that we love visiting with you (laughs) because truly you're part of our art family in so many ways. Um, 
shout out to Nana Chris. Um, <laughs> we have the honor and privilege of having you be a part of our, our kids' lives and, and passing on the traditions of fiber to them. And um, so beyond this discussion today, just thank you for everything you do in our community and uh, keep their passion going and, and share it forward. I will. I love you all so much. You too. Thanks. Thanks for staying. Right. Bye. Bye. Heads up, seven up, friends. If you've been enjoying these episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Creatively Connected Classroom podcast. You'll get a notification every time we release a new episode each and every week. And take a screenshot and put it on your favorite social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, you name it. Tag Education Closet and K-12 Art Chat so we can reach out and say thanks. And if you really love us with all the feels, give us a review and or a rating over on iTunes. It helps others find the show and connect with our incredible community. Thanks for all your support.